This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks, Adam from Hey Going Mate here, flying solo on the podcast for this episode. Uh, we like to do this every so often because uh, quite often I find myself reading and absorbing content and information and I feel the need to kind of come on then and and talk about that. We, we did, oh, 12, 18 months ago, we did the catch-up episodes where we would have our, our main sort of hour-long episode, but in every fortnight, but in between we would have the uh, the 15-minute kind of catch-ups to kind of talk about where we're at. But um, this week is a, a proper episode, but uh, we are going to do, a, I guess, a version of the catch-up. And uh, if you listened a little bit over a month ago, uh, we had Debbie, uh, my friend and, and colleague, uh, who runs Inside Out Recovery, uh, and they specialize in supporting people with hoarding and squalor uh, disorder to uh, to help manage their mental health and, and help uh, declutter, for lack of a better term. I guess that, that actually is the term. Uh, but to help declutter, and one of the things we... Uh, one of the things that came out of my conversation with Debbie, um, you know, often I, I have these conversations and, and, and I don't record in my home. I record everywhere really but usually remotely and on the drive home with Debbie we had I had an opportunity to reflect on on how you're going mate and what we wanted to do with it and if I'm perfectly honest I'm at a a point now where uh, it's kind of to quote the Elvis song it's now or never Um, we've got to get this thing really pushing along I'm I'm starting to work a lot more on uh, content and um, with the idea of maybe being in a position to deliver content at some point or to 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 kind of uh, augment what we do here with the podcast with some uh, with some live face to face stuff, but um, it got me to really thinking because for a very long time I, I really thought that there was a missing part of our message here at at um, How you Going, mate. And one of the things that you notice is that, or that I feel like I've noticed, and I and I might be off. The, off mark with this, but um, a lot of organisations sort of specialise in an area of mental health, whether it's men's mental health, women's mental health. In Debbie's case, it's hoarding and squalor. That's that's what she deals with, hoarding and, and hoarding disorder. And I, I sort of thought, well, on this reflection on the drive home, I thought, well, what does, what does How You Going Mate specialise in? What's our specialisation? Now, our message from the very start has always been, um, don't wait for someone to come to you. Uh, it, it came from a couple of areas. 
for those of you that are listening for the first time and haven't heard us talk about this before. Um, some of you some of you have already heard you just talk about it. You might want to just skip through the next minute or two. But for those of you that haven't heard us before, it came from a couple of areas. Um, it came from initially the post that you see on social media, and it's sometimes a meme and it's sometimes a shared status update type thing, where a person says, and very well-meaningly, uh, you know, I just want to let everyone know out there that I'm, I'm here if you need me. My door's always open and and I'm always willing to lend an ear. You know, I've always got a shoulder to cry on. And, and those sentiments are really fantastic. Like, I never want someone to not feel that way. But they actually annoy me a little bit because I want people to take action. I want people to actively support other people. I would much rather you... Rather than, than post that, I'd much rather you sit and think about someone in your life that you know that has a mental health issue or a mental health condition that may need your support. And I want you to call them. I want you to call them and contact them. And I want you to make sure you get in touch with them. And check in on them. You don't have to get all heavy and serious and mental healthy about it. You can just literally say... Mate, just thinking about you, you want to catch up for a coffee. Mate, just thinking, now you're having a hard time or heard you're having a hard time or, you know, do you, you know, do you want to chat? Whatever that is. Uh, I had a friend uh, whose father passed away recently and in those initial couple of weeks, uh, it, it, particularly in those, from the, the time I found out to the time he passed away, it was only a few days and then with, in the next week or two afterwards, just... Dropped dropped him a message or called him every couple of hours, a couple of days, a couple of hours, a couple of days, and said, "You know, mate, are you okay? You know, how are you going? Um, what's going on?" And just just to touch base, and and I, he'd say certain things that let me know that he was actively trying to manage his mental health, whether he knew he was or he wasn't. But I I just kind of a couple of times walked away from conversations, going, "Yeah, look, you you're doing well." And so our message has always been: don't wait for someone to come to you. Don't do the, I'm here if you need me. Go and show them that you're there. Go and actively support somebody. The other thing that we used to see a little bit of, um, and often we see high-profile deaths by suicide on the news, and invariably in the news reports you'll hear somebody who is equally high-profile or somebody who is, you know, a friend, you know, say... I wish she had said something, I had no idea, I wish she had just spoken out, you know, uh, this is a horrible waste. And it is a horrible waste, there's no doubt about it. But we want people to recognise what the signs of poor mental health are. And we want to educate people about how that looks and what you can do about that, right? But for a really long time, I, I was stuck on this idea that there's, there's, there was something I was missing. The, the message was incomplete, right? It was just, I couldn't get my finger on it. So driving home from Debbie's uh, interview, I, I sat and I thought, and it, so often when you sort of sit and actively kind of, um, kind of think about these things and really sort of almost have a conversation with yourself in your head, the thing that came out of it was the idea of isolation. And... I've never added these two things together, but one of the very early, uh, the very first podcast we did with a guest was with Nathan, and 
One of the quotes from Nathan's podcast was a line where he said, your mental health will tell you you're alone. It'll tell you that no one will understand you um, and that no, that no one understands you and no one wants to hear your story. All right? And overwhelmingly it does. Now, my experience uh, has been or was um, that, you know, it, it, I was a burden. It was hard for people to hear my story. People didn't want to hear my story. Um, or and and you know, even the I, I often say to people, you know, you, you don't know what it feels like to not be able to get out of bed until you can't get out of bed. There are there are still occasions when this happens, but there are there were days when I would not go to the letterbox because I might see someone, and and even though I lived in a um, sort of a, an area that was a, a collection of units at the time. Uh, and didn't particularly know anyone or wasn't particularly close to anyone, I might see someone and might just have to acknowledge them. And that was too hard. I didn't want to have to do that. And that's isolation. Uh, That's withdrawal. That is us as humans saying we want to separate ourselves from everybody else. And I'd never actually sat... And said to myself, well, what is the link between those two? And it, and it just occurred to me, I mean, um, I think our specialisation as a initiative is focusing on the fact that one of the key indicators that someone is experiencing a poor mental health issue is the fact that they're isolating themselves, um, is the fact that they stop making contact with you. They break appointments. They they cancel plans. Um, they refuse invites. Or they just don't reply. They don't call. They don't text. Um, they don't reply to calls or texts. And the risk in that, if we're not looking for, if we're not thinking about a mental health issue, and I want to separate issue and condition. Issue is everyone has a mental health issue at some point. Everyone has times in their life where they're, where they're down, where they're depressed, where they feel overwhelmed, where they feel anxious, nervous, scared, um, and left unsupported, left untreated. Um, those things can develop into mental health conditions. Um, mental health conditions are, of course, diagnosed um, medical conditions, diagnosed according to a set of criteria. Um, and again, something that can develop, but, but absolutely something that, and if you think about, um, depression, for example, one of the criteria for diagnosing depression is a withdrawal from activities that normally give you pleasure, the normally fun. Um, and, 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 you know, there's a range of other things, but. As humans, as people, uh, isolation is one of the key indicators that someone has a significant or a mental health issue or a significant mental health concern. And when I reflect on my life, and and I, I look, I I did this myself. Um, you know, ditched parties in my late teens and early twenties because I I just didn't want to go, and. And, and just didn't want to go and be social. Um, 
I recently had some old friends of mine celebrate their, goodness me, what are we looking at, 11th wedding anniversary. And um, I was invited to their wedding, and I'm ashamed to sort of say this, but I was invited to their wedding, but it was at a period in my life where I had some pretty significant things happening. Um, I was still very much in the grip of uh, my depression, was only just um, starting to really come out of the other side of that. I'd had a, a bit of a rocky relationship. It was before I met my wife. Um, I'd lost my license. So there was this kind of perfect storm of overwhelming factors that meant that I actually ditched their wedding. I didn't go. Um, I decided in my head that it was too hard to get there, um, uh, public transport-wise, and I was then going to have to get home. And I, I just didn't want to front up. Um, I, I, I couldn't. And re- reflecting on it now, I mean, um, there was a whole range of reasons why I didn't. But I, I just didn't go. And um, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that. I've never actually explained this to them or, or even really apologised to them for it. But um, it was, reflecting on it now and looking back on it, it was a pretty strong indicator that I was isolating. But there's there's a whole range of examples. We've I've had friends in the past that have been in a bad relationships, abusive relationships, where rather than come and tell us about it, they hide away from us particularly if they're still in the relationship because they don't want people to see that. Um, when they get out of the relationship, they're in, they're embarrassed or ashamed because of what happened. Um, they know that they've they've cut ties and they don't know how to come back and, and reconnect with people. Um, Nathan, in I think our last podcast, talked about uh, he sponsors a number of people uh, through the Alcoholics Anonymous program and... He has a group of people that he sponsors that he messages every day. And if they don't reply back to him after a couple of days, like if one day they might forget, but after two or three or maybe four days, then there's a very good chance that they've relapsed and um, they're sort of avoiding contact because then they have to admit that. Um, so, you know, there's there's a range of ways that that, can manifest itself and so as humans what we do is we isolate and that then became I guess the x factor that I was looking for as a part of our definition of who we are as a service that we believe that one of the things that we do as humans uh, when our mental health is really poor is we isolate ourselves and if the people around us don't understand what that looks like and how to manage that it can be mistaken for a whole range of things. Um, but ultimately, people can negatively react to that. And uh, sometimes, and I'm going to try and tell this story without really identifying the person, but we, Barb and I had a very similar, uh, had a situation where we hadn't heard from someone for a while. And we were kind of on the brink of being ready to write them off. Um, you know, oh, well, screw them. They don't want to talk to us. We're not going to talk to them. Until eventually I sort of went, look, think about what we do. 
We're telling people all the time to, to call people and contact people if you haven't heard from them for a while. Give this person a call. And we did. And we're really glad we did because it, it turned out there was some pretty significant mental health stuff going on. And um, and that, that was what was happening. And that there, there's a whole backstory that I won't go into. But um, that's what they were doing. They were isolating. And they, they were embarrassed. And they were ashamed. And they didn't want to have to talk to us. And they didn't want to have to keep telling their story over and over again, um, reliving those those that that time in their life. So it's about in, in informing people and educating people about what that isolation looks like. And and the downside, the the trap door in isolation is that, and it's it's well documented. The research is is solid on this. You know, loneliness creates depression, and then if depression is feeding that that need to, that that isolation that loneliness you, the more the lonelier you are the more depressed you get the more depressed you get the more you isolate and the more lonely you become and so it becomes this vicious cycle of people isolating um there's three i want to give three really fantastic examples and as i said that your, your mental health will tell you you're alone it'll tell you that no one else will understand no one's going to understand your hoarding problem you know hoarders are probably a great example you know, we don't want people to come into our houses because we're aware of how bad our houses are. And and particularly then if you're in a squalor situation and people don't want to come into your house. You know, the alcoholics that... And, and one of the other things that Nathan said to us um, or said to me when we had that first conversation, he said, you know, the thing I love about Alcoholics Anonymous meetings is I can go into a room full of people who get me. And as humans this isolation that I talk about uh, is actually unnatural. Again, the study is, and the psychology on this is is pretty well dialed in. But humans are hardwired. We are neurologically programmed to connect. It has been our superpower. It's the reason why we have survived and thrived as a species the way we have. We're not, the, I've said it before, we're not the biggest animal, we're not the strongest animal, we're not the fastest animal. We are arguably the smartest animal, but we are the animal that can cooperate. And cooperate on mass scale. And my favourite example of that is from Yuval Noah Harari, uh, the author of the, the, the book Sapiens, where he says, and this is a, I'm paraphrasing a podcast I heard him on, but he says, you know, if chimpanzees can cooperate with each other they can cooperate to catch food they can they have a language where they can warn each other of danger but imagine putting 50,000 chimpanzees into a football stadium for a game of football it would be chaos in its absolutely purest form yet humans can actively participate and cooperate to move in and out of that football stadium in a safe and controlled manner. I mean, yeah, there's probably a few fights. That's just our primate nature taking over. But uh, we we do that. We can week out. That's who we are. And it's really interesting to think about it that way. We have this ability to cooperate on a mass scale. And everything in our life is about the ability to cooperate as a species. We We live together. We drive together. We all use money. We all shop in places. We are able to manage that process really well. It's our superpower, our connection. 
our being around other people. We need those people around us. We need that connection. It's not even just a, a, a social construct. It is biologically, neurologically programmed into us from an evolutionary perspective, right? So the movement away from isolation is really, really interesting. And I wanted to talk about, um, touching on the, the Alcoholics Anonymous example, I want to talk about three groups that I am aware of that uh, are doing trying to do this connection thing really well. And um, number one is Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, it is a place where you can go and not feel any shame, not feel any uh, judgment. And as I said, you know, walk in and, and to quote Nathan, I can go in there, I can tell my story, um, I've got a bunch of, I've got, you know, a dozen people that understand. They're not going to tell me how to fix me. They will tell me how they fix themselves, and I can take whatever I learn from that and apply it to myself. And I think that's fantastic. That feeling that you're not the only one, the feeling that you're not alone, the feeling that there are other people out there who have experienced this, and the sense of relief that comes from that is incredible. Um, speaking about uh, Debbie and her work that she does, uh, she's involved with a program that I'm aware of called Buried in Treasures, which is a hoarding and squalor program. And it is the same thing. Now, hoarding and squalor is uniquely judged. Um, you know, we are currently seeing a show on one of the major networks here in Australia that is um, is dealing with helping people to declutter their houses, and we see hoarders. It's one of the few mental health conditions that is genuinely used as a, um, a form of entertainment. You know, you never see a reality show about a bunch of people with schizophrenia in a bloody, you know, in a mental hospital. Um, but, you know, so it's it's openly kind of mocked and laughed at and used as entertainment. And um, I'm not going to name the show because I don't want you to go and watch it and I don't want them to ring me and go, excuse me, you've uh, named our show, please apologise for that on air. Uh, but um, we see this show... We see we see these situations, and again, um, the people who uh, isolate because their mental health tells them that they um, they need to, but also their physical environment means that they have to isolate. And so, again, those the people that experience that disorder go into that space and meet a group of people who are just like them, and all of a sudden, we don't feel alone. And that's the key. All of a sudden, we don't feel alone. All of a sudden, we recognise that there are a group of other people out there who have the same experience of us as us, you know. Um, and the third group I want to mention is, of course, uh, my good friends David and Ben from the Men's Table and their 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 initiative that they run. Uh, we've spoken about the Men's Table. We've had both David and Ben on the program. But um, the men's table is is effectively, and, and essentially it's a group of strangers, but the whole core of the idea is to get a group of men together and talk about what's happening in their lives. We don't talk about sport, we don't talk about religion or politics or business. Um, their, their, their tagline is, we don't just talk about footy and shit. Um, and it's really important. And so it is a space where a man can sit and, and talk about his dark secrets and talk about things that are concerning him and going on for him in his life. And in that space, and we had this really interesting interesting discussion the other night about this at 
the meeting of the men's table I attend, which is we are trying to change the narrative that says that uh, a, a man can't show that level of vulnerability, that that level of weakness is wrong, that um, it should just be about, you know, connection between men should just be about sport or building or fixing something. Um, you know, it needs to be more than that. There needs to be spaces where men can feel as though they are safe to express who they are. And it's such a fabulous thing to be a part of and see an experience. And this is the key. We've got groups out there working really hard to build opportunities for connection. And we seek it out, man. We seek it out. It's why people, you know, it's why people join sporting clubs. It's why people, it's why, you know, bikey gangs are a thing, any kind of gang. You know, it's why religion is... You know, people have that overwhelming feeling of, of, you know, connection when they first join a religion or, or change religions, uh, particularly if they're disenfranchised, because that love and support and being made to feel like you're a part of something and connected to something is intoxicating in all of those cases. And... We embrace that because we need to, we have to, we want to, you know. So, you know, essentially we isolate um, because of our poor mental health. The more we isolate, the worse our mental health gets. The worse it gets, the more we isolate. Um, And we think it's one of the most underrated and overlooked indicators of um, a mental health condition or a poor mental health, um, you know. I look at it, my perspective on this is it, it, it is kind of, I think that the isolation is a bit of a protective mes- protection mechanism. I think um, in the same way that a wounded animal won't let you near it, um, as animals, when we're wounded, we don't want other people around us. Um, we're afraid, you know, we're avoiding the risk of being hurt again. We're so focused on our own emotional pain the, and and, emotion, and what that what we need to do to heal that is we don't that we don't have anything left to give to anybody else. We have a really limited amount of emotion, emotional energy. We feel completely overwhelmed uh, by our situation and what's around us, and we feel as though um, we've you know we're not going to be understood. No one's going to know what this feels like. No one's going to know what this is. No one's going to get it. So one of the things we like to do with our podcast is kind of give people an idea about, well, well what can you do? How can you overcome that? Um, find a group. Find a group of people that get you. Not everybody wants to hear your mental health story. <coughs> Pardon me. And not everyone wants to hear your mental health story, you know. And a lot of people will have an experience where they'll say, well, I tried to speak to, you know, Joe about it, and Joe just didn't want to know, right? Of course Joe didn't want to know. Joe's not equipped to hear your story. Joe doesn't understand your story. Joe doesn't have the perspective that you need Joe to have. It just doesn't exist, you know? But Sam does. Sam gets it. So find the people that get you and get your story. 
Um, I've joked before that I become the mental health guy. I go to barbecues and have people corner me and go, you know, this has been going on for me recently. I have uh, groups of people that every, almost every conversation we have, there is a portion of it that involves how's, your, how, how's things going for you mentally, um, which is really fantastic. Um, and, I, and I love it, right? I love it. Um, and I want people to do that. I want people to feel as though they can connect with me. You know, Nathan continues to thrive in his recovery because of his connection to his Alcoholics Anonymous program. I've watched people in the the Buried in Treasures program that I talk about um, thrive because and do things they never thought they'd be able to do um, because they are feeling so much better about their connection. Uh, I've watched, I know that the men's table has had tremendous success and it's now at 23 or 24 tables, you know, 10 men on each table. So there's a couple of hundred men that are meeting once a month and, and connecting with each other and helping each other to understand what's going on for them. You know, it is a significant and serious issue. Now, going and fighting a group is not the be-all and end-all of this. It's not the entire solution. Um, I ha- One of the things that, <laughs> that bothers me a little bit is sometimes, um, you know, there are things in the mental health world that are put forward as a as a salve, uh, a way of managing mental health, but there's it's so simplified and it's, it's sometimes not appropriate or not applicable. Um, it's not just go and, find, go and find some friends. But, you know, join a sporting team. Um, look for an opportunity, connect via something like the men's table or, or the men's shed. Um, Eliza, who's been on our show, has the mum village where... Again, another great example of connection because there's a young mum sitting there and she's got no idea. She's got this new baby. They don't come with instruction booklets. You don't know what to do. You're completely overwhelmed. It's great to have your tribe around you to be able to tell you what they know. We learn from those people and we absorb from those people and we are guided and supported and loved and helped by those people. It's so important. Find a mum's village. Reach out on social media is so important. It doesn't replace real connection, but it can give you what you need until you can manage real connection. And the thing I want to say to people is, is don't connect with expectation. Um, one of the things that I I see when people join groups is they feel like they're going to meet their whole new group of best friends. I, I hear a little bit in our, I'll be really honest here, in our men's table, um, where people go, you know, I, I join to make friends. And my my understanding of what the men's table is, it's not, if you become friends, great, but it's not about making friends. It is about having an environment where once a month you can come together and talk about what's happening for you without feeling like you're going to be judged or anything else you know with no shame no fear with no stigma you know no idea that you're going to disappoint somebody or change somebody no idea that you know whatever um no fear of negative reactions um or having to listen to people's opinions 
or hide what's really going on, you can get that feeling there, you know. But you're not going to make your best friend there. Probably not. So connect without expectation. Connect without feeling like every time you attempt to connect with someone, it is an attempt to make a new best friend. It's just not. Start small. Start with a smile. Start with a, a hello to somebody. Find out something that somebody knows. You know, if I, Sorry, find out something about someone. And once you know that, connect with them. If it's something you love as well, that's even better. Ask more questions than you answer. The, one of the best ways to build rapport with people, um, to connect with people, to discuss, uh, like we, we talk about it in terms of talking to people about their mental health, ask questions. Don't try and give answers. Don't try and fix. Just ask questions. It's simple. And that's the way you make friends. Ask questions. Ask more questions than you answer. Find out about them. They will eventually ask you questions and you will eventually get your turn to tell your side of the story and to give some responses. But by asking questions, you you can you, you start to build those relationships and do it slowly. Do it over time. Make it real. Make it bedded in. So as we finish up, we're going to try and keep these ones very, fairly short. As we finish up, um, isolation... We believe that isolation is one of the strongest indicators of poor mental health. We believe that a lot of people don't understand isolation. Uh, we believe that sometimes people can hide in plain sight. Um, they look social, but they're not. They look like they're connecting, but they're not. They uh, might be great at work and really cool and fun, and they go home and they're completely alone. We think that mental health tells you you're alone. It tells you that no one will understand. It tells you that you are unique and that no one's ever had it as bad as you and that nobody wants to hear your story, that no one else has ever experienced what you've experienced. In fact, you need to be ashamed and, and hide what you're experiencing because the reaction to it is going to be so negative. There are people out there that understand you. Here at How You're Going, mate, what we want people to see is... We want you to recognise when someone's isolating themselves. If it's appropriate, we want you to connect. It's always been the same. Don't wait for someone to come to you. Go to them. Don't make the mistake of thinking that somebody's okay because you see fantastic pictures of them on social media. They're not. And don't make the mistake of going, well, that person's disconnecting with me. Screw them. I'm not even going to make an effort because it could be something really serious going on and they need you to get in contact. Don't be the person that says, if only they had said something, I could have helped them. We don't want that either. Connect. If you are a person experiencing a mental health condition, you can't connect. You don't know how. You don't know even what the first step looks like or you can't even manage to take the first step. When somebody connects with you and asks you, how are you going, mate? Tell them. Start talking. We hashtag that for a really long time. Start talking. Our friends, um, Simon and Blake, had their initiative that they were using called Listen, and um, they really focused heavily on listening. Sit and listen if you are the person asking the question. Sit and listen. Ask questions if you need to. Don't give answers. Don't give opinions. Don't give judgments. Don't react negatively. Sit, listen, ask questions. Get the person to talk. 
Isolation is real. It's dangerous. It's deadly. Um, we avoid people for a whole range of reasons, but it's built into our DNA to connect. It's neurologically programmed in. So our final message to you is this. Connect at all costs. Maintain those connections. Find your people. Find the people that will understand who you are. Talk to those people. Connect with those people. Find a group of people that, whether it's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, a hoarding and squalor group, a men's table, a men's shed, a mum's group, find a group of people that are going to get you. And use the resources, the love, the support, the compassion, the knowledge, the skills, the experience that they give you. Use that to help yourself. That's probably a good spot to end on. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you've gotten something out of it, please shoot us a line uh, down below uh, in the comment section. But in the meantime, don't forget, this week, go out and ask somebody. How you going, mate? Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And of course, please share this podcast. Um, the reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about. And of course, the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money, so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody, uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.